In the name of Jesus, amen. Let me sing a love song for my beloved, my song concerning his vineyard. With these opening lines, uh, the prophet Isaiah in the 8th century launches into a poem about God's tender care, strong protection, and thorough provision for his people Judah. Imaging the Lord as the vineyard owner and vine dresser, Judah as the vines and the promised land as the vineyard, Isaiah reminds Judah just how much God has loved them. God, who promised to give Abraham and his descendants the land of Canaan, delivered Abraham's countless offspring from fatal oppression in Egypt and brought them to the land of milk and honey, planting them in what Isaiah calls here a very fertile hill. He did this as an inheritance. This is not something that the people of Judah therefore owned or deserved by might, wealth, right, knowledge, or virtue. It's a pure gift of home, herd, and harvest from the gracious God. To protect his people, God put a watchtower in their midst. In other words, he gave them judges to rescue them from their oppressors, kings to protect them from their enemies, priests to teach them about God's loving and just deeds on their behalf and offer sacrifices for them when they sin. He gave them sages to teach them about God's wisdom and prophets to call them to repentance and restoration when they strayed from God's ways. Eagerly expecting abundant harvest from his well-appointed vineyard, God also installed a wine vat ahead of time to press out the sweet juice of the grapes and serve it as sucker to slake the thirst of other peoples. In other words, remembering his promises in the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants, God chose and prepared Judah to be a blessing to all nations and to be his holy priestly people who teach the nations about the Lord and then act as the mediator for the nations to atone for their sins, pronouncing over them God's blessings, just like God has continually blessed them through the priestly or ironic benediction. This was all set up for the blessing of Israel and the nations. So imagine the shock and disappointment then when the vineyard owner found that the vines had not produced sweet grapes, but rotten ones, harvest after harvest after harvest. The vines had not yielded grapes and wine to sweeten the mouth, slake thirst, or swell downtrodden spirits. No, the vines only brought forth stinky grapes and sour wine that caused people to pucker, shudder, and spit it out. In other words, Judah had refused to be nourished by the word of God. Now instead, they fed themselves with their own depraved wisdom, which brought forth corrupt actions. They rejected God's grace, the grace that lovingly created, graciously redeemed, and faithfully blessed them. Because of this, they failed to produce good fruits that benefit others, as God had benefited them. They failed to produce such fruits as love, righteousness, justice, mercy, patience, loyalty, humility, and self-sacrifice. Instead, as Isaiah lays out in the rest of chapter 5 in a litany of woes and judgment oracles, they have produced rotten fruit of this sort, greed, gluttony, exploitation, drunkenness, self-indulgence, disregard, 
doubt, deceit, arrogance, mockery, bribery, abuse, and general perversion. They have become so self-centered that all of their thoughts revolve around how can they expand their possessions and pleasures even at the expense of others. They have become such doubters and loathers of God that they flaunt their wickedness publicly and then taunt God to judge them, not thinking that God will. They have become so spiritually twisted that they, as Isaiah says, call evil good and good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. They call bitter what is sweet and sweet bitter. They have, in other words, taken what is vicious and deemed it to be virtuous. They have ennobled the basest sins of fallen humanity and belittled God's purest laws. They have replaced love for others with selfish lust. It shouldn't come as any surprise, then, that this love song takes a left-hand turn. Even the audience to whom this is sung, Judah, should expect that they, the vines, would be condemned for this. For God had faithfully shown them abundant mercy and blessings and rightly expected from them similar fruits. God expected justice from Judah but beheld bloodshed. God nurtured them for righteousness but only heard the outcries of those whom they were oppressing. After all that God had done for the vines, what was left for them to do? The only answer for these unruly vines is for God to let them go their own way, to let them go completely wild and be subject to the wildness that they have brought on others. Having abandoned God long ago, God now threatens them with their own abandonment. Neither watered nor watched by God, they will soon wither and waste away. In speaking these words of God's nurture and exposure, We need to understand that it is Isaiah's hope that Judah would be shaken to their roots and return to God. It's the rhetorical thrust of this song to remind Judah of God's abundant grace and reveal to them their great wickedness so that the exposure of their bitter souls would lead them to avoid the eternal exposure of being left in an unprotected wasteland separated from God. It's God's desire in this prophecy that Judah would repent of their ruthlessness and receive his forgiveness through sacrifice. It's the point of the poem to turn tangled vines back to God's love where they will be pardoned for their iniquity, pruned in their hearts, and provided with water and food for their souls so that they produce godly fruits for the benefit of others. Now, if we are at all sensitive listeners to this text, we will not sit here and think, oh, we're in the next vineyard over from Judah. We will not sit here and think that we are the virtuous vines that only and always produce good grapes and sweet wine. This song was not recorded for us to feel, by contrast with Israel, better about ourselves, like the Pharisee in Luke 18 who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. No, this poem is recorded in scripture for you so that you would remember the abundant gifts that God has given you lovingly in creating you, electing you as his own, and redeeming you through his own son, Jesus Christ, so that you too would reflect on how you have not produced fruit in keeping with the faith in Christ who died and rose 
out of love for you so that you would be led to repent of your self-serving attitudes and actions that submit others to your neglect or suffering for your gain, so that you would seek and receive God's gracious forgiveness and absolution in the Lord's Supper, so that today you would be rooted in Christ and moved by the peace and joy that God gives you in his love, would then reflect Christ's love in selfless humility, mercy, and care to those whom God has put around you, your roommate, your parent, your sibling, your professor, your coach, whoever your neighbor is. As Christ tells you in John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. You are clean because of the gospel word I have spoken to you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So let us go forth today, doing our daily tasks as vines rooted in Christ's forgiveness and fruited with the grace of God. Amen.